Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? Rainbows are visions, but only illusions. And rainbows have nothing to hide. So we've been told, and some choose to believe it. I know the wrong way to see. Someday we'll find it. The rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. today's episode of The Coach Quest. In Tavern Talk, we'll be discussing the afterlife, brought up in an Ask Reddit question, as usual. And in the main discussion, we'll deep dive into the Muppet movie and do some bad Kermit impersonations. And finally, I will give Inan and Barrio two choices for what we will do in the next episode. Hello, and welcome to the Culture Quest. We are but humble adventurers, and today we're footloose and fancy free. With me, as always, are Peter, Waka Waka, and Bio. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, I was so prepared to do mine, and then you got me totally off. Did you, were you going to do Waka Waka? No, I wasn't going to say, hello, but... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I was sure that you were going to do Waka Waka, and I've stolen waka your thing, because that was like... <laughs> <laughs> and I am Inon. Hiya! <laughs> Thank you, the listeners at home, for taking part in our noble quest. Today, we're discussing the Muppet movie from 1979. It's going to be fun, but as always, we like to start things with a bit of tavern talk. Today on Tavern Talk, we're going to answer another question from the RS Credit subreddit, a question by you slash Naked Kitty Alucard. The question is this. You've died and arrived at a train station to your afterlife. The trains are marked animals, traditional heaven, rebirth, and eternal nothingness. Which train do you take and why? What is animals? To come back as a dolphin or a pig or a <laughs> it's, it's a train, dolphin it's or a, a train pig. that just animals can go on, but uh, it's there anyway. <laughs> we started with Muppets impressions and now we're talking about the afterlife. Like, who would have thought that 2021 would start like this? Waka waka. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit weird. <laughs> Peter, you go first. I'm pretty set on my answer, but I don't really have a defense of it. <laughs> I- I'm going with eternal nothingness because it was pretty blissful before I came to in- into existence. And now I've got to do this podcast, <laughs> go do Excel spreadsheets and stuff. So I, I'm happy just to go back to the eternal nothingness. Rebirth seems risky. I don't know. Like, I mean, we're in the top 1% of the world yeah. if you make over like $40,000 US. So like, whew, I don't know. I don't want to take that odds again. I got like, the, I won the lottery, so I wouldn't do it again. Um, traditional heaven. I guess that would be okay, but it, it, I just... I don't know. I don't really know much about traditional heaven either. I mean, I know some specifics, but I'm not really versed in theology. And the one arch animals is just a shit show. I I just don't want to be another animal. I'm with you. Maybe I'd be a cat, but then again, it's like the 99% principle. Like, um, the chances are I'll be like one of the 8 billion species of like centipede or something, and I don't want to do that. So, (laughs) I mean, uh, although if you think about it, like humans live quite a while, so like the odds are you'd probably be like 60 times you'd just be like an insect and you'd die in 24 hours. And eventually when you become like a blue whale or like a elephant or a human, you'd just be that for ages. So, but I think there's still there's too many insects that you'd just be like an insect for 24 hours perpetually. It would seem like forever. And then, and then eventually you'd hit like a snail who would last like a week. That just seems bad. Yeah. What about you, Barrio? I th- <laughs> I, I think I think it's pretty easy. I mean, unless you can pick, you know, regarding the animals and the rebirth trains, pick the station that you're going to to get off, 
Like if you can uh, pick the yeah, specific person or the specific animal that you can be reincarnated into. Yeah. Because Peter is right. Like the risk is, is a bit too big. Like you can be some poor chicken or some miserable human being. Is there any animal at all that you'd take? Like I, when I read that question, as soon as I read the question, I knew I'll never pick the animal strain. Like yeah. nothing about being an animal seems fun to me. I don't want to be an animal living in the wild. I don't want to be an animal living in the zoo. I don't want to be a pet. Is there an animal you take? Like the best thing about being a human is like the separation from animals. Yeah, exactly. That's like the best thing about But it. But being a pet cat always looked fun. That's the exception. Maybe, yeah. I don't know, dog. I never had a pet cat, but they seem to be so bored all the time. It seems like everything is set up for you to, to have the perfect quiet life, but it seems so boring to me. It does a little bit. Yeah, but they like it. Because <laughs> kind of, Maybe. Like, like your, your mind is already wired to enjoy this. Maybe you're right. Pet dogs always kind of seem miserable because they're always hungry. Yeah. Like their entire existence is around what is the next <laughs> snack that I'm going to get. Yeah. This is a bummer. So this kind of uh, narrows it down to other total nothingness or traditional heaven. And traditional heaven sounds fun. Traditional heaven is where, where you get everything you've ever wanted and be in bliss all the time. Oh. It depends. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what traditional heaven is. Like If it's like in the, the, the show The Good Place, that, that seems fun. But I don't know. Traditional heaven, I always pictured it, you know, standing between the clouds. All day long, just being blissful, doing nothing really. Get a lot of reading done. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I don't know, something about traditional heaven. Traditional heaven is definitely like the default choice. But something about it sounds so boring to me. And maybe, maybe if I could get like a conductor to give me some more information. Because I, I just don't want to gamble the rest of my existence going on so little information, you know? But if you compare it to the other alternatives, it's just better. I don't think so. I think eternal nothingness wins easily. Oh, like, man. Guys, you're so dark. What happened? <laughs> What's wrong with your life? I don't know. I think once I gave it like two minutes of thought, I think I'd go with eternal nothingness. Because with eternal nothingness, you can't think maybe I made the wrong choice. There's... literally no way to regret this. There's nothing. There's literally nothing to regret. <laughs> I think I'd go with eternal nothingness, then rebirth, because rebirth, it's a gamble. You could end up living uh, an awful life, but just the fact that I'd know what to expect make that decision somewhat easier, I think, than traditional heaven and, in the end, animals. No, no animals for I'll, me. I'll, I'll make it trickier. Let's, let's assume that for both uh, animals and, and for rebirth, there's like the best possibility that you could ever aspire for, but it depends on how you lived this life. I think I'd be pretty good. But you know what? Maybe, maybe a prior question to that is like, what is the best reincarnation or the best animal that you can get? And is it better than traditional heaven or nothing? Hmm, that's a good question. Like, what, what, what would be the best animal to be reincarnated as? You say cat, you say like a pet? I think like an owl would be pretty good. I honestly can't think of an animal I'd like to be re- reincarnated as. It's just not for me. Maybe a bear. Although they also, like most animals kind of seem like wild animals are constantly trying to survive, right? They're, they yeah, and that sounds being, awful. Yeah, they keep being driven by to eat or not to be eaten. Yeah. That's why I chose so, owl, because owls seem always chill. Like, they're never really struggling. They're That's because That's they're hunting. They have to keep their cool. Mm. I don't know. I'll never come back as an animal. But let's talk about rebirth again, because, like, if I could come back as someone who's happy and content and his life is okay and everything, and... But the thing is, you know, you're coming back as a person who's being born. So, I mean, like... You're not coming back as a person who has, like, 401k and stuff like that. So, I don't know what you would know about it. Yeah, that's true. A- another uh, positive point about rebirth, once you die, you go back to the train station. Like, with traditional heaven and with eternal nothingness, that's it. You never get to choose again. Mm, that's, that's another good point. Yeah. Hmm, I'd probably pick eternal nothingness. From the start? <laughs> I think I'd pick... <laughs> yeah. Peter's had enough. <laughs> yeah. He's an old soul. Yeah. An old Can I pick soul. it now? <laughs> Can I pick it now? <laughs> let, me, let me add another point to this. Let's say you choose animals, and then you've reincarnated as an animal, but not on Earth. 
like as an alien, as something else entirely? What if you could be reborn as a as an alien? That's so hard because you just don't know, like nothing. You know, like the poorest person in another universe could be like just like one of those like Saudi Arabian gods <laughs> who just invest <laughs> in startups and stuff. So that you know, you just don't really know nothing. You don't know. I probably anything. go with eternal nothingness because it's just a, just less risk. I totally agree with you. <laughs> So, The Muppet Movie is the first feature-length film for The Muppets franchise. I knew that The Muppets have been around for a while, but, you know, 1979 seemed a bit early to me, but, like, it turns out that they go all the way back to 1955. I thought it's crazy. But The Muppet Show only started in 1976 or so, and the movie came out in 1979, uh, between, I think, the second and third Muppets Show seasons, which, at the time was one of the most watched TV shows in the world. And the movie was directed by James Frawley, uh, produced by Jim Henson, which is uh, the creator of The Muppets, written by Jerry Jewell and Jack Burns. And the movie is basically a movie within a movie. Like, the movie starts with the Muppets in a movie theater, getting ready to watch The Muppets movie. And uh, The Muppet movie itself is a classic road trip story and a musical. The music was written by Paul Williams and Kenneth Asher. And the story is basically a fictional recreation of how the Muppets got together. And also, I, I think I think that the story is kind of a loose analog to the story of the team behind the Muppets. Like, I mean, w- one of the main themes in the movie is following your dreams, and Kermit's dream is to make people happy. And, you know, when I kind of looked into the, the, the history of the Muppets and stuff, it kind of felt that the, the goal of the, the Muppet team is to make people happy. As expected, the main character in the film is Kermit the Frog. And the movie starts with him sitting in a swamp, playing a banjo. He plays the song The Rainbow Connection, which is maybe the most famous Muppet song. And the song sets up what I think is the main theme of the movie, which I've mentioned. I think that, you know, with this song, Kermit is wondering about if following your dreams is a good idea, if it's worth the risk of failing. And then... You know, Kermit meets a Hollywood agent or something that tells him that, you know, he has talent and he should go to Hollywood and become a star and make millions of people happy. And Kermit is mesmerized by the idea of making so many people happy. He takes the leap, he goes on the road, and he's headed to Hollywood. And long story short, Kermit keeps picking up new friends along the way. There's Fozzie, Miss Piggy, Ralph the Dog, the Electric Mayhem Band, Scooter, Gonzo, uh, all the guys... And he gets in trouble with the main antagonist of the movie, Doc Hopper, who will stop at nothing in order to have Kermit as a star in the commercials for his frog leg chain restaurants. Um, eventually, they get to Hollywood, and I think we'll talk about the ending of the movie uh, after we've discussed our general thoughts about the movie. But, you know, throughout the movie, the gang goes through a few ups and downs. Uh, they become friends, they fall in love, they help each other, and they share the load while singing and being surrounded with celebrity cameos. And in the end, Kermit has collected a bunch of friends that are as close as family to him, and together they manage to bring happiness to many people, which is, I'm sure, how the team behind the Muppets have felt with this movie. I think like I think it's kind of evident in the end that the the the, the kind of analog to the Muppet team, because the movie ends with like a bunch of Muppets singing the last lines in the movie, Together, uh, it's a resolution of the Rainbow Connection from the beginning. And, like, I later learned that in that scene, those Muppets are operated by the Muppet team and their family members, which I thought was really cute. So, basically, that's the movie in broad strokes. What would you guys think of the movie? I actually didn't mind it at all. It was um, more entertaining than I thought. And a lot of the jokes, like... I don't know if kids would get them. Like the first joke was about like the um, the directions and he was like, um, I'm lost. And he's like, have you tried Hare Krishna? And I was like, what child is going to know that joke? So there's obviously some stuff for adults. But yeah, I mean, it's still a kid's movie. So you can't really get away, get get a, get around that. But um, I thought it was actually pretty enjoyable. And the songs, like I'm not a big musical guy but i actually thought the songs were pretty good as well like pretty well written pretty catchy and sort of like not the animation but i guess the filming of it with with the puppets um 
It was pretty good, actually. I didn't mind it. I thought the villain was a bit maybe cliche, like, I don't know. But but yeah, no, it was enjoyable. I think maybe less enjoyable, obviously, seeing it as an adult. But I, I still didn't mind it that much. It surprised me how much I enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed the music. And because I had low low expectation, because I thought, like, you know, it's it's Muppets. It's probably like a very childish kind of movie, which is, it's partially is, but they, I really, I found myself really enjoying the puns. Yeah. <laughs> I've never, I've yeah. never thought I will, yep. I will enjoy puns so much. <laughs> it's from literally the first scene where, what, what are the names of the, of the old, the hecklers? Statler and Waldorf. I'm enjoying the movie so far. The movie hasn't started. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that that's what I like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, you're right. The the movie starts with like the the Muppets in a theater and there's just a bunch of puns in like a minute. Is this it taken? Or yeah. I, I won't be able to live with myself if the movie isn't great, so you'll have to get another apartment. It's it just starts with a, a barrage of puns. <laughs> yeah. I I found it just adorable. And and throughout the movie, I also kept thinking this is not entirely for for kids, as also Peter mentioned. Like there are some jokes here that hmm. are definitely for the adults, and it and it also made me think: is like I, I assume the Muppets is a kids' show, the TV show. I'm not sure. I think it's it's supposed to look like a, a kids' show because it was made by the same people who made uh, Sesame Street and Fraggle Rock, uh, which are for kids. Mm-hmm. But I think it was screened in the evenings, and I think it was. Kind of for everyone, for kids and adults, but I'm not exactly sure. The cameos were, were really great. You know, Steve Martin's Big Birds. Yeah, Big Bird. <laughs> That's <funny. It's> cute. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed myself. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that this movie was great. Like, I wasn't sure exactly what type of humor the Muppets have or what kind of stories they tell, but the humor in the movie... I'll say I didn't find the movie wildly funny, you know? Like, yeah. I did think that almost every line had something a bit funny or cute or clever. Like, I didn't think the movie was hilarious, but I think it was consistently chuckle-inducing, which I thought was charming. And the story, fairly simple, I think, but still, I I think it was great. Like, I don't know, it didn't take itself too seriously. And the thing I liked most about this movie is how it feels like it was made by just a bunch of friends trying to have fun together. You know, like, it felt like a bunch of friends just playing with puppets, making funny voices, coming up with puns. And what's better than, you know, having fun with friends, fooling around and making people happy? Oh, it's it's charming to me. And after I watched the movie, I added the soundtrack to my library and I really love it. Like, I had a couple of pretty busy weeks now and I was always late for something. I always felt a bit anxious. But I listened to the soundtrack of the movie once, sometimes twice a day, and whenever I did that, I felt easier, I felt happier. I loved the road trip song, Moving Right Along. I loved the, the Electric Mayhem song, Can You Picture That? Yeah, that was And good. The, the Magic Store, the last song, I thought it was really inspiring. Like, it made me want to go out and achieve my dreams, which is good praise, I think. <laughs> hmm. And the Rainbow Connection, Barrio, we kind of talked about it before we started recording, like, there's some similarities between that song and the addition song from La La Land, uh, which, again, is a good sign. It's a good... I didn't know the Rainbow Connection before this movie. Like, it's a famous song. I saw references to that song, but I didn't really know the song, and I think it's wonderful. Uh, you know, I wish I could go back in time and introduce this movie to a 12-year-old me. It would have been my favorite movie, maybe. I, I think this movie is great. Hmm. I mentioned it earlier. Let's talk about the end of the story in the movie. Like, basically... This is what happened. They managed to get to Kermit's audition on time, despite all of the road bumps. They get in that office. They're faced with a big Hollywood producer guy, uh, played by Orson Welles, who, you know, as you'd expect, seems to be annoyed and busy, and, like, he's not even going to spare a minute to the Muppets. And, you know, it feels like it's going to be another challenge for them to face and solve. And the, the tension builds up for a few seconds in silence, and, you know, then he asks his secretary to prepare the, the, the rich and famous contract. <laughs> the and usual rich and famous contract. Yeah, <laughs> the standard rich and famous contract. I was wondering how they're going to end it, and then, and then they did the rich and famous contract. I was like, oh, so that's how it's going to be then. Yeah. <laughs> then right after that, they're producing their movie, and everything is, is happy, like there's a happy ending. And I didn't hear anyone complain about that ending, but I can see how someone might claim it was a bit anticlimactic or maybe a bit too easy. 
what, what, what do you think about that? Like, it surprised you? Mm, it did a little bit, but it still, it left me feeling really satisfied because often you'll get it and they'll be like, hmm, we'll see what we can do. And then they'll close it or something. And it will, I'll be thinking overnight, like, oh, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> but, um, but at least with this, it was like, yeah, sure, like that never happens, but at least it was like for, for <laughs> fictional purposes, it was a nice way to have it like fully tied up. Like even when they had that hole in the roof at the end, I was like assessing the damage going like, oh, I don't know, that's a few thousand. <laughs> like, like, oh God, they're all singing, but like surely they got to pay for that repair and stuff. So I'm always thinking like of lo- like the logistics, it actually gets in the way, but yeah. <laughs> it was so calculated, Peter. Um it was a bit weird, I gotta say. Like, <laughs> they faced so many lesser challenges <laughs> throughout the way <laughs> that got so much, so much spotlight. Well, I guess that you know, it's it's kind of a joke on its own, right? Yeah. Like, uh, they they wasted about twenty minutes in just figuring where to drive too, <laughs> and they couldn't turn away when Gonza's car kind of went straight forward <laughs> to them, and they took him on the roof. But when <laughs> once they got to a big Hollywood producer, he just handed them a, a contract. So I, I think, so it's not about kind of like what you think about the ending. It's kind of like what you think about the joke, because it's this is probably the hardest part to become rich and famous, but they kind of got it like that. It is funny when you think about it. I, I totally agree. Part of the charm and humor in this movie was that sometimes it was a bit unexpected. The Muppets in the movie were basically on a mission to make people happy. And they, you know, like you mentioned, had a bunch of setbacks and obstacles on their journey. But in the end, that was the only person that was actually between them and their goal. You know, like the big, scary Hollywood producer guy, which took one look at them and let them through, let them achieve their dreams. I, I liked it. I thought, I thought it was funny. <laughs> That's good. Imagine, <laughs> imagine that, that, you know, Dorothy and her friends g- get to the wizard and, and they're like, I want a heart. I want a brain. I want courage. I want to go home. And he's like, here you go. Because <laughs> Marsha get, get the contract of uh, brain heart and uh, going home. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, the movie will end. <laughs> I didn't think I would bring this up because it seems a bit obvious, but I have to mention the puppeteers were just great. <laughs> yes. I mean, the puppets felt alive. <laughs> I, I kept forgetting that they're not, and and that's that made some of the jokes so much better. Like when Kermit at the beginning says, read my lips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Like, yeah, I thought like it was a, great. <laughs> a sock on a hand and I read my lips. <laughs> yeah, I think that it's something that kind of helped that effect was the fact that they were actually interacting with people. I thought that was great. Like maybe half of the characters surrounding the the main characters were actual actors, were people, were not puppets. So you kind of forget that they're puppets. I thought it was great. And I thought that the best moment was with Miss Piggy and Kermit in that romantic dinner scene, you could actually feel the tension between them just as much as, you know, like in a serious romantic movie. Yeah, that actually was. I was quite invested in that relationship between a frog <laughs> and a pig. More than you would imagine. Yeah. Although yeah. I got to no say doubt. that I couldn't understand if, like, obviously Miss Piggy is obsessed with Kermit, but does Kermit really love her back? Because Yeah, he was pretty passive about the whole thing. But he was disappointed when she ditched him. Mm. So Yeah, I, no, I think he was keen for it, but not as keen. I think a relatively normal level of keen. I started watching another Muppet movie. Like, I, I really had a lot of fun with this, and I found myself with a couple of free hours a couple of days ago. So I started watching The Great Muppet Caper, which came out in 1981. It's the second Muppet movie. The story, the direction of the movie is a bit weird, and the, the music wasn't as good, but it had... Uh, like a similar kind of story between Kermit and Miss Piggy, like the moment, maybe a bit different because the moment he saw her, they both kind of fell for each other. Do you guys um, have like a favorite moment or a favorite joke in the movie? I had a favorite joke. Mine was um, when Kermit is like riding his bike very nonchalantly <laughs> and he's like rides into that mixer and he's like, that's pretty dangerous, building a road in the middle of the street. I was like, huh? <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah. How did they film that? I'm actually not sure. How did they make the Kermit puppet? No idea. Kind of like ride a bike. Also like when Gonzo's on uh, with, the with the balloons. Yeah. Like it's easy to tie a puppet to a balloon and set it free, but it was kind of moving around and, and talking and everything. Yeah. So I, I'm not exactly sure how they did it. 
Had to be practical effects, though, yeah. right? Like in 1979. Yeah. I'm ashamed, sorry. Yeah, that's impressive. Anyway, Barry, do you have a favorite moment, a favorite joke? Definitely the read my lips part kind of cracked me up. I also like that how the uh, uh, lost uh, Try Harry Krishna reoccurring joke. Yeah, I think yeah. it came up like three or four times. Yeah, it's also been a sign of the church where they meet the uh, electric mayhem. Yep. It reminded <laughs> me of, you know, in Mallrats, there's the joke of uh, uh, doing it in a very uncomfortable place. Well, like back in the back of, of a Volvo? Of Volkswagen. Oh, Volkswagen, you're right. <laughs> yeah. And, and they, like different characters do the same joke in, in completely different occasions. And that's kind of like what makes it not that bad of a joke. I also enjoyed the, um, they, they crashed into a, another vehicle, which just like, they're like, oh, we missed him. And then the vehicle's like on top of them, which is just, <laughs> I don't know how that happens. But then I had like a short conversation, like two sentences. And then um, Fuzzy, he's like, um, we picked up a weirdo. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I need a gif of that. <laughs> yeah, I think they asked him where he, where was he headed, and he told them, "I'm going to Bombay to become a movie star." And they say, "That's not where you go to become a movie star. We're going to Hollywood." And he's like, "If you want to do it the easy way, but yes, <laughs> that's what we want." <laughs> <laughs> I loved when they're just at the first stage of the road trip. Fuzzy is driving and Kermit is holding a map. And he says, uh, hey, Fuzzy, I want you to turn left if you come to a fork in the road. And Fuzzy says, you know, you got it, Kermit. And then there's literally a giant fork in the middle of the road. And Kermit yeah. says, huh, I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good, actually. I also love the part where Gonzo was hanging on those uh, balloons and Fuzzy was driving and, you know, Kermit was giving him directions so they'll stay under him. And Kermit says, Fuzzy, burl left. And Fuzzy says, frog right. And Kermit says, oh, that's, uh, that's cute. <laughs> I thought it was great. I was thinking that, like, bear left. I was like, oh, he's going to say something about being a bear. Frog right. So, yeah. <laughs> Do you guys have a, like, a favorite character or a favorite Muppet, maybe? I think Gonzo. He's so weird. Really? Yes. Like, he doesn't have a big part in the movie, but uh, something always... Like, he's married to a chicken. Yep. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> non-orthodox. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the 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 running joke with Gonzo is that they're they're never sure what he is. Like everything is either a frog or a pig or a bear, but they're never sure what Gonzo is. And in the show, in the Muppets show, he's the um, a daredevil. He always does the dangerous stuff. He loves doing the dangerous stuff. And the thing is, I think the guy who does his voice was always kind of the shy guy, and they wanted to push him and do like the exact opposite of himself. So Gonzo is like the guy who who is always daring to do stuff. Mm. Cool. What about you, Peter? Honestly, I did really enjoy Kermit. There's just something about, like, he's just very casual about everything. And I kind of enjoyed that, you know, like the just waving things off, like crazy things that would happen. <laughs> he'd be like, he's like, oh my God. Okay. All right. <laughs> Peter, are, like, you, are you the guy that plays Mario Kart as Mario? Yes. <laughs> That makes sense. <laughs> that dude, that is actually me. Like, why would you play as anyone else? It's Mario Kart. Like, you who's know? your favorite Muppet, Kermit? Who's your favorite uh, Garfield character? Oh, Garfield! Not only do I play in Mario and Mario Kart, but I use like the official cart that's on the box. I don't change the wheels or anything like that. That's very adventurous of you. <laughs> yeah, but I, I really liked Kermit. I always thought of him as like the generic Muppet, you know, like the basic Muppet, but he's really there, there's something about him. There's a lot of charm to his character. He, he's very wise. Yeah, that's true. Something about his calm and no eyelids. <laughs> Does he have any eyelids? I don't think so. <laughs> I love the, the scene with Kermit and Kermit where he's talking to himself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I wonder how many times they did that in movies before that. Because, like, having that conversation in the desert is, like, a bit of a trope now. But Yeah, you're right. I don't know where that started. My favorite was, uh, was Ralph the Dog. Like, I love the song he sings. I hope that something better comes along. I, I love the, the jazzy style of the, the song. And, you know, I, I thought it was interesting. He sings that song with Kermit, and they're both voiced by Jim Henson. So, oh, you know, obviously hey. he had to record it twice. Yeah. But I would never have guessed, like, their voices are so different. And yeah. Kermit's voice is so generic and basic. So, I don't know, yeah. I... I Took me by surprise. Yeah, it took me by surprise like, when I saw the credits and I realized like a lot of people are playing a lot of different roles. Like there's barely one person just for one role. You're right. And um, 
Uh, something about Ralph the dog really reminded me of Tom Waits. Like a few of Ralph's <laughs> line could have been taken from Tom Waits' Nighthawks at the Diner album. Um, <laughs> and I looked into it and like, I'm obviously not the first to make that connection, that Ralph and Tom Waits connection, because if you Google those names together, you can see what comes up. Like there's a bunch of videos on YouTube where the video is Ralph the dog playing the piano and it's a Tom Waits song or vice versa. It's a Tom Waits uh, video playing the piano and it's Ralph the dog singing. But then I found out that Ralph's character first appeared in 1962, which is a few years before Tom Waits even released his first album. Mm. So I don't know. I uh, Ralph, a lawsuit, like, are you saying? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So maybe Tom Waits is based on Ralph the dog. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he saw that character and he said, that's what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> and he started <laughs> rasping his voice. <laughs> but apparently Ralph was like the first popular Muppet. Hmm. Like if you look at Ralph the dog, he's kind of a... He looks a bit more simple than the rest of the characters, maybe. I don't know, it's just a circle with ears, a couple of eyes. But, like, he first appeared in a dog food commercial in Canada in 1962. And in 63, he was the first Muppet with a regular spot on a TV show, uh, the Jimmy Dean Show, which I've never heard of. Like, he was the first Muppet to become kind of a, a thing. And... Obviously, later down the line, Kermit became like the main Muppet. So a lot of people kind of connect Jim Henson, the creator of the Muppets, with Kermit. But people who who are close to Jim Henson, people who really knew him, say that Ralph is is the closest Muppet to Jim Henson in terms of personality. He was probably Henson's favorite character. Hmm. So I wonder what made Kermit so famous. In earlier Muppet stuff, Kermit's character was a bit different. From what I've heard, he was a bit more angry and annoyed by the other Muppets, but when they started the Muppets show, they, they were looking for, you know, an anchor character, something that would be the, the leader. And when they gave Kermit a go, uh, they felt immediately that he was the right Muppet to go with. And his character became a bit gentler and wiser and uh, what it is today. Hmm. 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 <laughs> When I watched the movie for the first time, I I mentioned it earlier. I kind of thought that the Muppets' voices were a bit generic. You know, like mm. Kermit's voice and Miss Piggy's voice and, and definitely Fozzie's voice. Waka waka. It's a bit generic. But, you know, like after listening to the soundtrack for a while, which I enjoyed so much that I also started listening to the Muppets' Christmas album with John Denver, which I really like. I kind of fell in love with the voice acting. The one I was most surprised to find that I liked was Miss Piggy's voice, well, f- mm. voiced by Frank Oz. I always kind of thought that it was a bit annoying, but I got used to it and I fell in love with it and I think it's hilarious. I can't say I love it, but I can imagine it being good for kids. I know, I can't get enough of it now. Like, I'm listening to the to other Muppet stuff now and whenever she comes up or he comes up, Frank Oz as Miss Piggy, I really like it. Mm. Okay. What do you think, Barrio? I'm I'm not there as well, but maybe you know, maybe you need to to listen to her. She's she is a funny character, you know. Even I think uh, when she first appears and she has this uh, song in the movie. Never before. Yeah, and 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 the movie ends with her going very badly on the last high note, <laughs> which is kind of horrible but incredibly funny, and I think that's that's kind of like her whole character. She tries to be very gentle and and feminine but she's a pig not she's yeah. very aggressive <laughs> and <laughs> definitely part of that character is is the voice but the thing is that i'm not that crazy about that character but hmm. definitely the muppets they gotta have some character like that which has a bit more spice to it all the other characters are very mellow mostly yeah I think in the Muppet show, she started as a secondary character, but her running joke was that she was always trying to steal the spotlight. People loved it, and she kind of forced her way into it. <laughs> so she is definitely supposed to be annoying and everything, and her voice is annoying. I fell in love with it. And I started reading about her character and about Frank Oz, the, the guy who did her character, and I found out something that I thought was really interesting. Like a few years after doing this movie, Frank Oz did a puppet on another movie, a puppet which, up until now, I would have easily crowned as my favorite puppet of all time, which is Yoda on Star Wars. Mm, the wow. same guy that does Miss Piggy is is Yoda on Star Wars. Oh, <laughs> I can hear it now. Yeah, I can hear it now, but I, I feel like someone told me, but I just 
I, wow, that's new information, um, basically. I might have heard about it once in the past, but I forgot about it. I was really shocked to find out about it. Mm. Like, I can't believe that Yoda, a heroic figure that I you know, kind of admired since I saw it for the first time, is, is in a way a Muppet. <laughs> like, and now when I listen to, to Miss Piggy's voice closely, I can totally hear the resemblance. I mm. think it's amazingly funny. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I thought it would put me off a little bit more. Like, I thought, I, like... I'm not really a kids show person. I'm not really like a person who likes like the whole Muppet thing. I'd rather just like a well done animation. But I don't know. It didn't put me off that much. I actually quite liked it to the to the point where like I'd actually prefer like filmed like this rather than like an animation. It feels like it has more personality. I I think I I, I agree with you. I remember when I was a kid when I used to go to that. Um, you know, video store near my house and to rent videos, I'd see the, I think they had the, the, the Muppets from Space just came out or something. And I kind of thought maybe I should rent it, maybe I should watch it. But th- just the fact that they were puppets, I don't know, I had an aversion to it. I just, just because of that, I didn't watch that movie. Um, there's a bunch of celebrity cameos in the movie. I'm not going to mention all of them, <laughs> mainly because I don't know most of them. But there were two cameos, which I'll mention. There are two cameos by people from two movies we've already done on this podcast. Did you notice them? Did, did you know who I'm talking about? I absolutely didn't notice them. Barrio? We didn't saw a movie about Sesame Street, so it's obviously not Big Bird. No. <laughs> it's a good guess. Yeah. There was this guy who plays in uh, Ocean Eleven, and uh, he's also Ross's dad in Friends. Yeah, Ross and Monica's oh, dad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Elliot Gould. But where yeah. was he from in another movie? No, yeah, he's not the the answer I was looking for. Oh, okay. Yeah, there was also the waiter. At, what's his name? Martin. Steve Martin. Steve Martin, right. Um, I didn't get we... why he was so angry, but yeah. <laughs> See, all these things like Steve Martin and right, Ross and Monica's dad from Friends and stuff like that. I like forget these things. Like the first second I go, oh, wow, look who it is. And then I forget and they just become the character. So like when you said Steve Martin, I'm like, oh, that, oh yeah, it was the waiter. So like I kind of, <laughs> there's this weird thing where I get too absorbed into it. But it wasn't Steve Martin though, was it? No, one, one of them is very subtle. It's one man, one woman, and the woman is very subtle. I don't expect anyone to get it really. But the the man, the the cameo, I think you should get it. Maybe, maybe not. No, I'm, 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 I'm close. So one of them, the first one, was Mel Brooks. Ah, oh, right. Yeah, the doctor. Exactly. Yeah. We talked about Mel Brooks on our first episode when we did the the producers, and in the Muppet movie, he did the German mad scientist with a scary, oh, yeah, yeah. frog yeah. brain scrambling machine. I thought it was funny. <laughs> like I saw him, and I wasn't sure if at first if it was Mel Brooks, but the moment he pointed at the machine and said, "That's an electric yamaka." I was sure. Yamaka. I was sure that it's yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess I just didn't really know who he was like in person. <laughs> and the second one, the more subtle one, I totally didn't think anyone would get it, is Carol Kane. She was the girl that showed up every once in a while when someone said the word myth and she thought they said miss. Um, she oh, played yeah. Allison on Annie Hall, Alvis' first wife in the movie, ah. if you remember. Hmm. That is very subtle. Yeah. That was a funny joke where she kept popping up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was funny. <laughs> the only thing I think this movie did wrong was, if you remember, just before the showdown scene in the movie, the Muppets think that there's going to be like a chase and Dr. Teeth, you know, say, oh, that's good because our chase music is the best thing we play or yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that. And Kermit decides to stop running and finish this, which, you know, is a good thing, I guess. But I feel like we've missed on a bunch of great music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not really a complaint. <laughs> I actually can't say, like, there was anything really wrong with it. Like, so some movies you can just say, like, oh, you know, it just, like, they didn't flush out the plot enough or the acting wasn't good or it was just a bad idea or something. <laughs> this one was, like, a good idea the plot was like pretty good. It was a short movie. Yeah. Um, in comparison to like nowadays, like two and a half hours and stuff like that. And wow, the acting was like superb because it was just the Muppets. And yeah, there was nothing really I was displeased about it. They introduced like the right amount of characters. There was good jokes for um, you know adults and children. It was it was smart. Like it was actually really good. The only thing that holds it back is just the audience. Like it is. You've got to gear it to the kids because I'd never watch it. Like, I'd never go to a cinema for an adult-themed Muppets. Like, it would just be, like, weird. (laughs) 
don't know. I, I thought that this movie, it was for kids, but it wasn't for kids. Like it was yeah. simple and funny and kind of dumb, but it also had a few touching moments. It, the meaning of the movie, the theme of the movie wasn't something too great or too big, but it was, it was touching. I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, mm. found, I found myself wanting to watch the, the last scene again. Yeah, I did a few times. Uh, the, the last few lines in the movie is, life's like a movie, write your own ending. Keep believing, keep pretending. We've done just what we set out to do. Thanks to the lovers, the dreamers, and you. And every time I hear those lines, I'm, it's just so inspiring and so cute and so... It's like small and personal, but it's big and inspiring at the same time. It's something else, I think. Yeah. I have one last question, though. Sure. So the animal train, the rebirth train, the nothingness train, or the Muppets train? Uh, definitely the eternal nothingness. <laughs> <laughs> so dark, Peter, so dark. You literally, literally can become a Muppet. Will that Muppet be like designed after how I look like, or is, will I be like a frog suddenly, or something no, it'll else? Be much, it'll be much prettier. It'll be like a frog. <laughs> it will be um, your spirit animal, but in a in a Muppet form. To sum up, I'll I fell in love with this movie. Really, like I think this movie succeeds in what it tries to do. It manages to be inspiring and a, a bit deep at times, while not taking anything too seriously and just being a bunch of fun. Kind of funny to say, but it's one of those things that I enjoyed in a way that made me think. Can I do this? Like, can I maybe get a puppet and, and, and do this? But no, I'm not never going to give it a go. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a sign of how much I enjoyed it, really. Because, like, you know, when I listen to podcasts that I enjoy a lot, I'm, I'm thinking, can I do this? And, and I enjoy podcasts so much that I, I'm giving it a go. I'm, we're doing it right now. But the fact that, the, you know, I'm seeing people playing with puppets, playing with their friends, it, it made me want to do it. It made me, made me want to have that kind of fun. And the soundtrack, I couldn't stop listening to it. I think it's brilliant. I plan to watch the maybe a few more Muppet movies. But like, th- this movie was just just warmed my heart. It was a lot of fun, a bit of inspiration. I loved it. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll join in on that. I think this movie does an excellent work in in like you said, inspiring. And I think that it also successfully relatable regardless of your age. I think that literally anyone in any age can watch it and find its uh, its charm. I think that the music really adds up, but you know, in case you're soulless person that <laughs> wants to go back into nothingness all the time, then uh, maybe <laughs> I feel like he's calling out someone. <laughs> Uh, well, not soulless, but just a dark, dark soul. I also chose uh, eternal nothingness. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you both are pretty dark. Um, people who don't like the touchy-gooey things will probably kind of be off-put by it. But I, I think that there is something for everyone. In, I mean, you, you need you need to understand that you're go, you're you need to to realize that you're going to watch a movie with puppets. <laughs> it tells everything. And once you're kind of set on that track, and you can really get a lot out of it. I thought it was really good, actually. Like I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. It feels like a really well done movie for 1979. Like. If a movie came out with similar sort of a similar plot, similar sort of dialogue and everything like that in well t- today, twenty twenty one, then I feel like it would fit right in. Like I don't watch many children's movies; they're probably a lot more like you know trendy and more memeable and all this stuff. But <laughs> like this seems like a really nice movie, like because it really takes control of your emotions and um, has a satisfying conclusion that I liked. But I'd say they were, it's held back by, I think, trying to cater towards like the young and a little bit the old. So like if you're young, you probably won't get all the jokes. And if you're old, you probably can't appreciate like more of the blunt emotional pulls that they did. So, um, but no, I thought it was, I thought it was a good way to target both audiences. Maybe it's a movie to grow up with. I think so. Yeah. So... As we do at the end of each step of our quest, we're going to take a vote that will decide whether or not the Muppet movie has a place in the Culture Quest Essentials Guide. We will each have a chance to persuade each other and state our case for or against the Muppet movie's induction to the Quig, and then we will vote, with a gentlemanly tip of the hat for yay or an ominous stroke of the mustache for nay. And the vote must be unanimous in order for it to pass. 
So I think that this movie genuinely feels like they all they wanted to do with this movie is make people happy, and I loved it. I don't think it's a masterpiece. I don't think it's just a brilliant movie or anything. Like, I, I don't think it's the best movie I've ever seen, but... And, and I know that there's some recency bias because, I, you know, we just watched that movie, like, recently. But every time I think of that movie, every time I listen to the soundtrack, there's a smile on my face. It, it, it's, it's fun. And I think that it will stay for a long while. This movie was really fun and sweet, kind of inspiring, I thought. And, you know, what, what can I say? The, the, the flume is okie-dokie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just love that line. <laughs> Well, I already said what I think about it. Um, yeah, there's not too much to say yeah. anymore. I think <laughs> I think we should do like closing remarks and then vote. And then if there's disagreements, then we should do this rebuttal That's thing. That's a good idea. I'll, I'll vote first. I think it's kind of obvious. I, I I think that every movie that or any anything really that just makes me so happy and I do think will make anyone else so happy, it just deserves a tip of the hat. So... I want to help Kermit make a million people happy, so I'm also going to tip the hat. <laughs> tip. Uh, okay, so I'm on the edge here. Oh, <laughs> back to nothingness. If that didn't melt your heart, Peter, nothing will. I don't know because I don't know <laughs> if I'd recommend it to all my friends because it's like it's already like kind of past for most of them. You know what I mean? Like if it was a kid or a or a person with a kid i'd think like oh yeah definitely see it but i don't know i don't know if i'd recommend it to a 20 or 30 i don't know your friends but i I would i definitely have recommended this movie to anyone i spoke this past week so i i totally would recommend this to anyone but i i get what you say i think it's all about expectations and and i think that uh, like i i i think i think it before going into this movie you need to again to understand that it's a muppet movie and once you realize that I think it's better to watch it and, you know, not be stoked about it. But if you're on the other end, you'll be really happy that you watched it. Like, I think that's how I feel. It's great for a rainy day when you st- when you need to stay at home and, and watch kind of like a small a small movie with, with, a, with a cup of hot cocoa. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's all a good point. I think, I think I am basically convinced. I think what you said, like, obviously with some things you go into it and go oh you got to go in with this mindset but the thing about this one is like as soon as you read the muppet movie you or you don't really have to say much more than that like it already sort of gives it to them so i don't feel like i need to do the caveat of that too much like if people see it in the quag they're going to understand and i'm not a very smart person (laughs) and i was able to realize that and also appreciate it so no, I think that's fair. I, I, I'm going to tip my hat for this. I really love this movie. I really wanted it to be in the Quag. Oh, wow. I'm really happy for we this. We got another... When is the last time that we had a Quag entry? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, Forrest Gump, like mm-hmm. six episodes ago. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, it's great. And I think that to celebrate that, uh, let's do some funny voices. We've decided to have some fun and have ourselves a Kermit off. Uh, what we're going to do is this. We're we're going to do Kermit impersonations. We have a line from earlier episodes of the Cult Request to do. We will take turns doing the, the lines in, in Kermit's voice, and we will rank each other. The ranking will be on a scale of 1 to 10 based on whatever. Like, this isn't a serious competition. That is, if you want to rank based on the voice, that's okay with me. If you if the voice wasn't good, but, it, you know, you found it funny, you want to score it high, go for it, do, do, do whatever you want. And I'll keep score, and we'll see who comes out uh, the best Kermit. Barrow's got the best one. Yeah, I think you've got the best one. So maybe you should start. But it all comes down to this. You've got to nail it. Hi ho, hi ho. Miss Piggy, Beethoven's Fifth is kind of like Meryl Streep. It's not surprising that it's so good. That was pretty good. Yay! That was. Uh, a line that Barrio, you actually said in episode 15, Mom's Classics. Uh, obviously. Obviously. Beethoven's Fifth. Peter, how much would you rank Barrio for this? Give it a seven. Give it a seven. Ooh, tough Because I've heard you, like, I heard you do like better versions and it trailed off at the end. So I agree. That's a... Uh, uh, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't have said that. I should have said it was the best <laughs> thing I've ever heard because now I've got to do it. That's a, a seven from me as well, uh, which I think seven is pretty good. Peter, you're up. 
I think um, Jermaine is kind of attractive if you um, overlook the ogre part. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's not good. It got better at the end, but I can't, I can't find the <laughs> you need, nasally you need to find bit. the nasally voice. No, uh, it, the, the end was really good. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, do you want to rank Peter? No. <laughs> okay, so that's a zero for Peter. <laughs> um, I'll give Peter an eight. No, it was like a five. Come I'll, on, I'll I'll give it a five. I thought the voice I wasn't it, great, but the I I thought the finish was great. The last the, bit was good. The last bit was okay. Okay, you both you both convinced me. I'm <laughs> I'm stroking my mustache ominously towards Peter. <laughs> Thank you. All right, I'll do my line now. Uh, the Marcus Aurelius famous line. Uh, if your uh, cucumber is bitter, uh, throw it away. Yay! <laughs> that was actually pretty fantastic. Yeah, it was. That was actually really good. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, I cannot believe that's you. Uh, wow. <laughs> but I, 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 I never... Does Kermit says actual yay? I've never I heard don't know. Kermit says yay. That's the, the yay part is from, uh, I think, Hollywood, Hollywood Babylon. Babylon. <laughs> yeah, when they're doing the Kermit impression, they're saying, yeah, I never heard Kermit really say it. No, definitely not in this movie. Yeah. Are we voting on your score, Anon? I don't know. I, I thought mm. we were going uh, to do three rounds, so the scores would be, I'll average the scores in the end, and then we'll find out. Okay. But... Well, I want to give yours an eight for that one. Okay. Barrow is giving me a 10, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Nine. Uh, nine. nine, so it won't go to your head. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> should, oh, should we do one of um, famous movie quotes? Yeah. <laughs> I got one, I got do one. It. <laughs> mm, the first rule of Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm ending Keep going, there. keep going. <laughs> okay. That was pretty good, though. Mm, the, first, the, fir- the first rule of uh, Fight Club is, um, is, Miss Bigger, is that you don't, you don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> <Yeah>. That was <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Do you want me to give mine a go? Yeah. Okay. Um, they may take our lives, but they will never take our, our freedom. Oh, that's good. <laughs> like, the, the voice isn't perfect. It's not but, fantastic. But something about what you, how you say it really reminds me of Kermit. The, the, the inspiration <laughs> that Kermit gave. Like, the, the thing is, you got to always, like, if you say, like, I am your father. Like, Kermit has this weird study. He's like, I, I am your father. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, you took my quote. Oh, <laughs> all right. uh, you've got to ask yourself uh, one question uh, Do I feel lucky? Well, do you? Punk. <laughs> ah, that wasn't great. <laughs> that wasn't your best one. <laughs> no. Peter, do you want to tell us about next episode? Um, sure. I've, um, if you're happy to, I'm happy to do this bit of improv on the podcast. But I want to give you guys a choice between the next episode. Oh, so okay. um, originally we were going to do Blade Runner, but Barrio has seen the original and the 2049. So um, we'll probably say that in our own time. But we, I wanted something that would be a little bit more fresh. So the I'm going to give you guys two options and. Okay. We can, we can decide together. So the first option is a book. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of Lee Child, but he writes the Jack Reacher book series. I heard the name. I wanted to do book number one, which was Killing Floor. So I'll read a little bit. It's um, Jack Reacher jumps off a bus and walks 14 miles down a country road into Margrave, Georgia, an arbitrary decision he's about to regret. Reacher is the only stranger in town on the day they have had their first homicide in 30 years. The cops arrest Reacher and the police chief turns eyewitness to place him at the scene. As nasty secrets leak out and the body count mounts, one thing is for sure, they picked the wrong guy to take the fall. Um, So that sounds pretty good. It's supposed to be a great book. It is supposed to be a really good book. And then the other one was very odd. I was thinking... Because I've heard one good thing about it. So I was like, uh, maybe it's potentially something <laughs> we could do. And then we'd have um, albums from like a very wide span of, How wide? of history. But we could do Taylor Swift's album, Folklore, Ooh. 2020. I heard a lot of good stuff about her. I heard it wasn't as bad as like what you'd think it would be. Like it's actually got some like interesting tunes, like they're quite emotional and stuff. So she's supposed to be more than just a, you know, like a pop 
Teen Idol or something. She's supposed to be a bit better than that. She's supposed to be interesting. I wouldn't mind listening to it. The reason I don't like her is because the albums I've heard of hers have just been all like the pop albums, like the um, all effects and everything. So this one doesn't have that. Then also the other thing I've heard about her is like, or the thing I've seen about her is like, she's like a guitar player, but she only knows like two chords. So I was like, "Eh, I don't know. (laughs) Seems a bit odd. But this one seems like it could be a good album, but I don't know, it could be wrong. Like, I, I, it's again, it's sort of going into it like we went into um, U2's album. So, I don't know if we want to redo that. Barry, what do you think? Taylor Swift kind of in- intrigues me because I also never really listened to it. And, and it could be a horrible experience. No, oh, she, she really is. I know people who I trust her uh, tasting music who say she's better than you'd expect her to be. Well, I I heard someone on another podcast who is like a rock guitarist and he said he listened to it and like him and his wife didn't mind it. And I was like, good "Hmm, enough. That's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think we should go for uh, the Taylor Swift album. Imagine if we found just one song that we liked. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, I don't know anything that, you know, is kind of pop right now. I don't know any album that people listen to that came out in the last few years. That would uh, put us ahead of the curve. Well, not quite ahead of the curve, because I'm looking on Apple Music now. And <laughs> it's not even a most recent album. <laughs> Wait. It's, Evermore is a most recent. I'm what? so surprised. How is it? You're right. She had two albums this year? That's weird. Cool. Okay, so I'm still um, keen to do folklore, though. Wait, let me look at their all music page just to see what they're saying. Yeah, folklore is uh, the top uh, rated album by users uh, for her. Yeah, so let's do that's that. Cool. So Taylor Swift folklore, an album from 2020. I can't believe we're doing Taylor Swift, but this is awesome. It's your fault. <laughs> I'm taking you two on myself. It's it, that was my mistake. But yeah, the next one, Barrio, it doesn't have to be next time, but Barrio is eventually going to do one that is a risk. To avenge. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to do, what's her face? So Barrio does take a lot of risks, actually. Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus, exactly. (laughs) I knew what you were thinking about. (laughs) Oh, I don't think, no, that's just so bad. It's over the line, maybe. We came in on a It's like a 0% chance. That's way over the line for me. <laughs> but I got to say, Wrecking Ball is kind of catchy. I mean, it's not a good song, but it is catchy. You got to give, give her that. We came in on a Wrecking Ball. <laughs> we came in like wrecking a ball. Wrecking yay! Ball. Stop saying yay. <laughs> I don't know. I can't stop. <laughs> and I can't stop. Is that a, is that a song? <laughs> And we won't stop. I don't know that one. I might be wrong. I think that's like a Rihanna song. What's a a famous Taylor Swift song? (sighs) Ah, I know one. I know one. one? We're never, ever, ever getting better. Getting back together. Yeah, that one. Getting back together. What's the other one? 17. No, is it 15? 16. 17. Uh, I don't know. There's one of the teens. Who sings Call Me Maybe? Oh. Carly I know Ray that one. Jespin. Carly Don't Ray Jepsen. Yeah, now, I know. Oh. No, I used to listen to her EP. It was pretty good. <laughs> Such a basic bitch, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay. So thank you, Peter. And thank you, Barrio, for staying true to our goal. And thank you, the listeners at home, for helping us along the latest stage of our quest. We hope that you join us again next episode. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. alligator. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was silly. Just silly. That was silly. The Culture Quest Podcast is part of All the People Network. Visit our website at culturequestpodcast.com to contact us or see a list of our upcoming episodes. Follow us on Twitter at CQ underline podcast and tell your friends about us. Find out more information about All the People Network and the other podcasts it includes at allthepeoplenetwork.com. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to bring to everyone's attention all those people that are currently stuck without their phone and are forced to continue listening to this unless they pause it and then have to contemplate, you know, the state of their life and other things. So you'll probably just continue listening. I just wanted to give a bit of a shout out to a um, a website, actually. It's called givewell.org. So that's give, G-I-V-E, well, W-E, double L dot org. So it's, it's a dot org. So it's, it's legit. And, um, basically they're the authority on who is worth giving money to in terms of charity. So obviously we'll give money to friends and family if they 
full on hard times. But if you are thinking about giving large sums of money to um, charities, it's definitely best to do your research because a lot of people just give away money and want to feel good, but it's also good to think of it as an investment and how you can do the most good. So it's not asking you to give away more money, but it's asking you to give the money away in a responsible way. And um, basically, they've just authorized eight charities. So out of all the, I want to say hundreds of thousands of charities, might be a bit lower, but they've authorized only eight. And I think it's really good to just scan through the list and um, see if you can consider donating to these charities. So um, I think that would be good if we can all sort of band together during these tough times. At the moment, it's COVID, but, you know, that will change and we're all going to need to support everyone. So this is probably one of the best evidence-based ways to do that. So yeah, so definitely hop on to givewell.org if you're considering and hopefully those charities are like tax deductible or something in your country, which would be in your best interest. So anyway, this is not formal advice, but it's just a good place to go. Thank you.